Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you look at your offensive line now, the one that you're practicing with right now, what do you think? Is it a work in progress? And what's the chemistry like there? I think that's been the biggest I don't want to say surprise, but really surprise for me is the chemistry that they built so quickly. When you have a lot of new guys, I mean, in that whole entire offensive line room and then with our starting five, a lot of new guys on that on that group, to see them kind of come together, they're hanging out, they're having dinners, they're they're eating with each other every single time we're out, I'm out here at the lunchroom here, um, and they, they've become best friends. Um, and so they've already started to build that chemistry, and obviously there'll be bumps here and there where they're learning how we do things here compared to where they were at. Um, but you, you can see that fight and that passion that they have for this game. And I think that's going to, I mean, all, that's, they're already really good, and I think it's going to get even better as the season goes on. Peter King with Patrick Mahomes at Chiefs Camp, one of the stops on Peter's training camp tour. Huge changes on the offensive line. Steve Levy and company last Friday night on the Chiefs Cardinals preseason game pointed out that only one team since the merger that went to the playoffs has had 80% turnover on the starting offensive line, and that would be the Denver Broncos after they won the Super Bowl in 2015. Well, now the Chiefs are doing it, and the Steelers, by the way. What do you think is going to happen with this offensive line? All those new names and faces trying to figure out how to block for a quarterback who uh, you you, you never know when you can release and go down the field because you never know what he's going to do back there with the football running around with his hair on fire finding an open receiver. If I had to guess right now, Mike, the starting Kansas City offensive line on opening day will be three guys who've never played a snap in the NFL before. Creed Humphrey at center, Trey Smith at guard, uh, and Lucas Niang at, at right tackle. And I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Sorry, Lucas. But if you look at those three players, that to me is exactly what Uh, Brett Veach, the general manager of the Chiefs, meant when he walked up to Patrick Mahomes walking off the field after getting hit or significantly pressured on 29 pass drops in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs getting their rear ends kicked. Brett Veach's first words to Patrick Mahomes were, we're going to get the line fixed. And that drove everything the Chiefs did in the offseason. From paying $16 million a year to a guard Joe Tooney, to drafting uh, a new center in the second round, Creed Humphrey, 
and then with their last pick in this draft, taking a guy who legitimately, they thought because he had heart arrhythmia and he dropped like a stone in this draft, Trey Smith, he could be the biggest prize in the day three of this draft this year because I think he starts opening day for the Chiefs. So the Chiefs basically have laid it on the line and said, in essence, because they're probably going to start all five guys on the line different. It's not going to be 80%. I think there's a good chance it's going to be 100%. Chris Sims kind of sounded a mini alarm after the preseason game on Friday night. He, he thinks that Patrick Mahomes may be moving differently, maybe doesn't have the same burst. Now it's still the preseason. But that, that, that toe, Peter, it had to have been seriously messed up he had surgery just a couple of days after super bowl 55 when he tried to will the team into the end zone some of the plays we saw from him in that super bowl were spectacular they finished with incomplete passes but there's an incomplete pass uncharacteristic from patrick mahomes on friday night against the cardinals another pass that he completes in past years so you know again it's preseason it doesn't matter but, uh, you know, maybe some cause for concern. Look, there's one that got floated over the head of a receiver. Peter, I, I don't know. We, we've gotten so accustomed to Mahomes being high-end spectacular. If you take a little bit away from his running ability, if you take a little bit off, now this is vintage Mahomes. He finds a guy open across the middle after scrambling and buying time. But I, I think that it's, it's a fragile thing where if you just take away a little bit of his running ability, maybe you do have a different quarterback. He did tell me something pretty interesting, I thought, that he said, you know, because basically if you look at if you look at the way that they played late in the year, remember that game they had against Atlanta where they had to struggle to win, I think 17-14 in overtime. And you know, they had a bunch of games at the end where they really were stumbling around. And Mahomes made the point to me, we need to attack from the first series on. He said, I don't know what it was last year, but we just weren't good for complete games uh, as the season wound down. So, you know, I do think, look, I think the Chiefs are vulnerable. I don't think, I still think they're the best team in the AFC, but I also think that they're vulnerable. And on the right day, I think Buffalo with its mind right, maybe Cleveland and Mike, I got to tell you, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, both, even though Baltimore's got a slew of injuries, uh, they were both a little bit better than I thought on the camp trail. And, you know, it's been kind of the story for the Chiefs the past couple of years. They'll they'll stumble around for half of a game, and then they'll find the gas pedal and score 28 points in right. seven minutes. That's why even when it's, you know, 15, 20 points or more of a margin against the Bucks in Super Bowl 55, you don't turn it off because you've seen this movie before where the Chiefs can score a ton of points in the literal blink of an eye. Another team they need to worry about this year, other than the Bills and the Ravens and the Steelers, they got to worry about the Chargers in their own division. Brandon Staley, after one year as the defensive coordinator of the Rams, stays in the same building, takes over the Chargers. A lot of great young, talented players that they've had a hard time keeping healthy. But while Justin Herbert, how great he was last year, this is a team that I think everyone needs to take seriously. And the Chiefs had better, or they may find themselves not winning their division. The Chargers are my sleeper team in the NFL. And I think anytime you have a quarterback as precocious and explosive as Justin Herbert, you've got a chance to play deep into January every year. 
But, Mike, I, I'll tell you what this is going to come down to. The, you know, just as the Rams have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, the Chargers have Bosa and James. <laughs> you know, when, when, you, when you have Joey Bosa and Derwin James leading your defense, you know, those guys have got to be healthy this year. Derwin James had two consecutive years ruined uh, and obviously Bosa has been nicked up along the way to some degree. So if those two guys can play, say, three quarters of the season or more, uh, I, the Chargers are going to win double digits and they're making the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I think that there are nine true playoff contenders that could be Super Bowl teams in the AFC, depending upon how things fall. And the Chargers, definitely one of them. If they can keep their key players healthy and it will be regarded by many as a surprise. But if you've been paying attention, we see this ascension that is that is poised to happen for the Chargers. Uh, and I feel bad for the Raiders because they're assigned to the same division as the Chiefs and Chargers and a conference that has nine teams that are high-end contenders and the Raiders aren't one of them. Do you think John Gruden can can do something with this roster that just kind of seems stuck at average to maybe slightly above average? Can Gruden get it done with that team this year? Look, you know, they got a new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, who is de- who is a classic. He's demanding, but he's a don't worry, be happy guy. He's going to fix the minds of a lot of the guys on this defense. But the question is, can they get any real top-end NFL production out of some of the guys who Mike Mayock has drafted? Cleland Furrow, for instance, um, who doesn't look like he's going to start with this team. Can they get real significant mid-Jacksonville years production out of Yannick Ngakwe? You know, I, <laughs> the theme when I got there, well, we solved the pass rush issue. Rush issue. We've got... Uh, Max Crosby back healthy and, and in good shape. And, and we got Yannick Ngakwe. So we're going to be in good shape uh, at the, at, you know, at pass rusher. And I said, don't you think there's a reason why Yannick Ngakwe has been on four teams in 11 months? <laughs> I, I do. I mean, there's a reason why. That if the, if the three previous teams really thought he was great and wanted him badly, don't you think they would have kept him or tried hard to keep him? So, you know, to me, we'll see. We'll see exactly what happens. But this is a team that I think they have a lot of talent on defense, but they were a lousy team on defense last year. And they've got talent. They just have to play better. 19 and 29 in three seasons for Gruden. Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, was the sacrificial lamb last year. If they struggle this year, I think Mike Mayock's the next to go. And Gruden's there as long as his buddy Mark Davis wants him. And uh, it's a great gig if you can get it, because if Gruden was anywhere else, he'd be the first guy on the hot seat this year as we list the coaches. But Mark Davis not inclined to do anything. And you reported after your visit to uh, the Raiders that there is no playoff mandate for Gruden in 2021. There can't be a playoff mandate for Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. It's a 1-15 team, and we've seen in a couple of preseason games why they were 1-15, bereft of talent. Can Urban Meyer make it work with Trevor Lawrence, given what he doesn't have around him, especially now that Travis Etienne is out for the year with a foot injury? You know, I just really wonder where the offense is going to come from. Uh, you know, the offensive line is just okay. And, you know, you've got to protect the franchise. 
So I think we're not going to see the wide open offense that everybody would have thought and hoped for with this team. I think it's going to be a lot of move the sticks, short and intermediate stuff, because I don't know how much you're going to be able to trust the offensive line to keep uh, Trevor Lawrence clean. It helps that he can move around the pocket. And Mike, I really think when I look at this team, this is a team that, I, I mean, look, the biggest confidant for Urban Meyer as he decided whether he was going to choose this job is Jimmy Johnson. And I believe that his year this year is going to be a lot like Jimmy Johnson's year in 1989, where Jimmy had never lost in his life in college football. In you know, all you know, he had lost, but hadn't lost big in college football. And then he went one and fifteen in his first year, and it drove him out of his mind. And Urban Meyer says he'll be able to handle it, but we'll see. I think it's going to be a long year for him. Nine losses in seven seasons at Ohio State. Nine losses would be a great year in Jacksonville if they would somehow go eight and nine. And Peter, something that Sims and I were talking about earlier this week, while this phony baloney quarterback competition was still happening in Jacksonville, Sims had the thought, and we pulled on that thread, that maybe Urban Meyer was thinking, I can't get Trevor Lawrence killed like they did with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Maybe I need to to let Gardner Minshew be the quarterback this year for Trevor Lawrence's own good. Ultimately, obviously, they went with Trevor Lawrence, but you have to wonder what they'll do to ensure that that there isn't some serious injury to Trevor Lawrence behind an offensive line that just doesn't seem to be good enough. Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel have coached in the league for a thousand years, and they will know how to protect the quarterback, even if it means uh, it's always going to be third and six. I, I just think that is going to be the mandate from Urban Meyer. Keep Trevor Lawrence upright. And then I think uh, he's got to manage expectations publicly. And he's got to basically tell people that, look, this is a growing season for us. And, uh, and, and I think he's starting to do that. But I think he's got to start shouting it from the rooftops. Last one real quickly. I was shouting from the rooftops in the aftermath of the deal that kept Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. My suspicion that come November or thereabouts, both player and team will regret deciding to give it one more try. You were there in camp. Ben looked good against the Lions on Saturday night. What do you think this potential final year for Ben is going to look like with the Steelers? You know, if that game Saturday, which is what I saw, if that game Saturday is any indication, and it might not be because you never know, you can't just can't tell from preseason. The one thing, though, is you look at Ben Roethlisberger, and it looks like he's lost some weight. Uh, he's he's He moves around better in the pocket. His arm is great. Um, and I think he's got a weapon, uh, Pat Fryermuth at tight end, who you're going to see right here. He's got a weapon with great mitts. I mean, Mike, both of these catches by Fryermuth were not easy in the end zone in that game against Detroit. And so to me, I look at this season and I think the Steelers got a shot. The other thing that is was so interesting, Melvin Ingram on the prowl in that defense. I mean, I think Melvin Ingram, if he can stay relatively healthy to supplement T.J. Watt whenever that thing gets done. I, You know, Mike, I, we, I, we all wanted to shovel dirt, me included, on the Steelers at the end of last year. I think they're going to be pretty good.
Well, they started 11-0, and and a lot of that had to do with Mike Tomlin willing that team to victory week in and week out, and that is the one thing that cannot be underestimated. Tomlin, one of the great coaches in the league, who is able to take whatever hand he's dealt and turn it into something better than the individual cards may look like. Let's take a break. We'll play a game of which doesn't belong and why when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. Of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA, and Peacock. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance terror and quality family screen time visit fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies some great premier league fixtures this weekend including man city versus arsenal and then liverpool versus chelsea plenty of premier league action on peacock as well check it out on the various networks of nbc and on Peacock. Peter King, Mike Florio here on a Friday edition of the show that has just rocketed by a quick game of which doesn't belong and why. Let's begin with young quarterbacks who are next in line for second contracts, although Kyler Murray has one more season of football before the window opens for him. Murray, Lamar Jackson, who still doesn't have his, and Baker Mayfield, who still doesn't have his, which doesn't belong and why. Obviously, for timing, I would say Kyler Murray, but Mike, I think all three of them, and I'm going to totally wimp out on this, I think all three of them need to show uh, that they got to play better in the biggest games of the year. And I mean, look at look at the way right now when you, everybody said, oh man, the Ravens got to sign Lamar Jackson. Well, I agree. They probably have to sign Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson's played four playoff games. He's one in three. He hasn't scored more than 20 points in any one of the games. And he's a, whatever, a 56% passer in those four games. So I would kind of like, before I signed a quarterback and paid him $43 million a year with heavy guarantees, I'd kind of like to see him, you know, route somebody in a game that really means something in January. I'll say Jackson doesn't belong because... Obviously, he's been a league MVP. And in Baltimore, it's all been set up 
for Jackson. There's stability in the coaching staff with John Harbaugh. They've constructed the offense for Lamar Jackson. They're all in with Lamar Jackson. I think the worst thing that could have happened to the Ravens was Josh Allen doing the deal he did because if I'm Lamar Jackson who doesn't have an agent, I look at Josh Allen's deal and I say, can we just change the names on this and give me the same contract? And I don't think the Ravens would want to do it. I think that's been the impediment there. But he's the one who stands out as the guy who is the most accomplished and the team has set everything up for him into the future and uh, the question is when they pull the trigger on that second contract. John Harbaugh has said it's going to happen. The question is when, and maybe it won't happen until after the season. A couple of other quarterbacks who uh, are not in line for big contracts, but are veterans who are likely keeping a seat warm, at least for now. Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, which doesn't belong and why? Uh, I'd say Sam Darnold, because Sam Darnold has, although an outside chance, a truly legitimate chance to win the starting job and keep it in Carolina. Now, if you ask me, do I think that's going to happen? No, because they have an owner that is enamored with the big name. And in my opinion, I think that owner is going to want to get a chastened Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers after this season. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Sam Darnold has the whole world in his hands. And if Sam Darnold, who was a little inaccurate when I saw him in Indiana, if Sam Darnold has a good year, he can he can keep the Wolves at bay and he can win this job. I don't see any way that long-term Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton win the jobs where they are. You're absolutely right that Panthers owner David Tepper is obsessed with getting himself a shortlist franchise quarterback. He believes that is one of the keys. He he said this in the backseat of an SUV on the Amazon All or Nothing series when it focused on the Panthers a couple years ago. The league is set up for everyone to go 8-8. Eight and eight. You push it in your favor with great coach, great GM, and great quarterback. And they're still trying to find great quarterback. But I'm going to say Teddy Bridgewater is the one that doesn't belong and why. Because I think in Denver, the fact that he's won that job The fact that he's there with George Payton, who was part of the brain trust in Minnesota that believed in him and was nurturing him and thought he was ready to explode in 2016 before that knee injury. I think that there's a chance Teddy does enough this year that they decide to keep Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback next year and not automatically start fishing for Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, that Teddy may do enough that he could keep that job. All right. Three coaches who have shown various levels of exasperation about anti-vaxxers in their midst. Mike Zimmer, Sean McDermott, Ron Rivera, which doesn't belong and why? Oh, man, they all belong. Um, But I'm (laughs) going to say Sean McDermott because he's got the best team, and that team is really, in my opinion, in the most danger of being disrupted this year because of COVID. And look, I understand that Kirk Cousins hasn't been vaccinated. So at any point he could get the uh, disease uh, or he could test positive and he could be out for two games. I get that. But there just seems to be this drumbeat that never ends in Buffalo. We'll see if they could make it end. But you already have the general manager of the team, as I said earlier in this show, saying we have no control over this. I mean, it's maddening for the Buffalo Bills, maddening for the head coach, for the general manager to be this close to getting to a Super Bowl and having a virus and the handling of a virus 
possibly having a major effect on whether you get there. I'll say Rivera doesn't belong because I think he's the one of the three with the incentive and with the juice when it's time to cut the rosters from 80 to 53 on Tuesday to weed out as many of the anti-vaxxers as he reasonably can. Now, certain guys are going to be protected by virtue of the fact that they're star players like Montez Sweat, who said weeks ago that he wasn't going to get the vaccine. I don't know if he's changed his mind, but guys like that aren't going anywhere. But I think that that Rivera will be the most motivated, even though it's technically against the rules. He's going to be the most motivated to use those roster cuts to increase his vaccination rate by weeding out the guys who won't do it. Uh, you know, and also, I, 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 I'm still astounded that players won't get vaccinated, especially when you're dealing with a former player who is probably still strong enough to put you through the wall if you wanted to do it. Not that we advocate or condone that approach, but there's an intimidation factor at play here, and it's just not working for Ron Rivera. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's extraordinarily sad. And everybody talks about we're a family, we're together, we, you know, we, we you know, all for one, one for all pretty hard to stand up in front of a team when you have multiple guys who I don't know how many eight ten five three I don't know but who realize that if you get the disease if their head coach gets the disease he could be very very seriously ill and still they don't sacrifice for whatever their own situation is they won't sacrifice because their coach is endangered it's just I just think that's the saddest that's the saddest story of all this, Mike. And even though Ron Rivera comes off as fairly mild mannered in a public setting, I hearken back to that all or nothing series. And Amazon doesn't make that anymore. It was just an awesome look at a full season. Shots of Ron Rivera in the locker room at halftime. Peel the paint off the wall the way that Rivera would go after the players with the uh, tapestry of profanity that he would weave. So if he can't convince players to do it, I'm not sure anyone can. But hopefully more guys will choose to get the vaccine. Personal choice to get the vaccine between now and the start of the regular season. Let's take a break. When we return, a show-me-something draft. We usually do it in the regular season, but it's an important week of the preseason. Week three, we'll do that when PFT Live continues right after Pretty sharp. <laughs> I think it's been a good camp. Johnny's sensitive. So sensitive, he's sensitive about being called sensitive. That's Aaron Rodgers. Let's get into a back and forth with 60 Minutes about that. 60 Minutes issuing statement saying, see, he's proven our point. He is too sensitive. All right. Uh, show me something week three. We... We know we won't see Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't play in the preseason. He doesn't need to play in the preseason because he's already pretty sharp. Peter, I got a trivia question for you to determine the first pick. Since you were singing Taylor Swift earlier in the program, who is the rapper who interrupted Taylor Swift during the 2009 VMAs, Video Music Awards? Kanye West. With the VMAs. Boom. All right. First pick. I thought you were going to say, Mike. I thought you were going to say, who is the former NFL offensive lineman who went to the same high school as Taylor Swift? Ross Tucker. Yes, yes. Very good. I, I'm very All right, you win. You go first. I, 
I'm very depressed that I know that. I, I, <laughs> I wish I didn't know that piece of information. All right. Uh, well, he talks let's about go. it all the time. I, I know, but that, that, means I, that means I listen to him, uh, which is what depresses me. I'm kidding. We love you, Ross. All right. Uh, here we go. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I, okay, show me something. Hey, uh, Minnesota Vikings have nine total points on offense in two preseason games. They're going to start Kirk Cousins tonight in Kansas City. Now, they're not going to have Dalvin Cook, no Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen is banged up. Cousins said earlier this week it's a great challenge to try to go into that environment and show what they can do. But Clint Kubiak inherited the offense when his father, Gary, retired. I think Gary's timing of his retirement helped set the the table just right for Clint to get the gig. He's got to show that he can run that offense. They got to show that they can score some points. The defense is better. If the offense goes the other way, it's not going to matter how much better the defense is. They got to do something to have some confidence going into Cincinnati week one to start the regular season, Peter. Yeah, I'll give you a show me something, Joe Burrow. Um, I think everybody in Cincinnati wants to see Joe Burrow cut it loose at least one time before the start of the regular season. And my feeling is this is going to be that one time this weekend you know, for him to basically show that he can play without restriction, without reservation. I think in order to line up opening day and play for the Bengals, Joe Burrow has got to look free and easy uh, in week three of the preseason. This is a weird year for the preseason because it used to be four games. Now it's three. It used to be the third preseason game was the dress rehearsal for the starters, and the fourth preseason game was just put all the backups out there. The Steelers are treating it, at least at the quarterback position, like put all the backups out there. Show me something Dwayne Haskins getting the start with no Ben Roethlisberger, no Mason Rudolph. This is Haskins' chance to maybe bump up a rung on the depth chart and set himself up to be a viable and very cheap long-term solution at the quarterback position. Great reviews so far for Haskins in Steelers camp, Peter. This is his opportunity to really get the attention of the fan base, the coaching staff, the teammates, anyone who may wonder whether or not Haskins is ready to take that next step. Show me something New York Giants offensive line. You can say it's a preseason game all you want, but the Giants at least on day one of their work against the Patriots in Foxborough on Wednesday, really got pushed around by the Patriots. Joe Judge is not going to like that. Joe Judge wants to see his offensive line play like it's going to need to play because, look, the Giants do not have an easy time out of the gate. Their first game on opening weekend is against Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, who allegedly are both healthy entering a season together for the first time since the Broncos drafted Chubb. So now you are going to see a defense. Plus, in my opinion, Mike, the deepest secondary in the NFL resides in Denver. So look, you know, this shapes up to be a huge headache game for the New York Giants, their opener, unless that offensive line can be in midseason form. And that's why I think they have to play and play well against the Patriots Sunday evening. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. I'll stay in that same game. You got to show me something, Cam Newton, when you're on the field in that game. You got to get Bill Belichick to forget about the misadventures of the past 
week of the COVID misunderstanding. Because, Peter, when it comes down to it, you got Tom Brady coming to town October 3rd. Do you want the quarterback in Cam Newton that you have to worry the day of that game? He's not going to be able to play and you got to throw your game plan out the window and come up with a new one? Or do you want the quarterback that you know is going to be available no matter what in Mac Jones? So to get Bill Belichick to go the other way, Cam Newton's got to play lights out against the Giants when he gets his opportunity. I think not only that, Mike, if I can, if I can stick with that game for a second, you know, Bill Belichick, there's, you can never make a read on how he treats the preseason. You just get the feeling this week, especially after seeing the incredible day that Mac Jones had playing against the Giants' first-team defense in practice on Wednesday. You just get the feeling that this quarterback competition, and, and I mean, even if Cam Newton wins it, Mike, I don't think that the Patriots are going to have a long, uh, a long run for Cam Newton if he doesn't play well. And you can say whatever you want, well, he had COVID or well this or well that. The fact is, Cam Newton was a shell of himself last year. Anybody who can't admit that can't see the truth. So if he's a shell of himself this year, he's not going to be the quarterback on October 1st. So this, is, this game for both quarterbacks, I think, is very big. All right, final pick. Peter, what do you have for this weekend? Uh, what am I picking? You show me something. Round three. We're back to the Oh draft. my show okay. Peter. I'll give you I'm sorry. Peter. I'm sorry. I thought I was picking a game. I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you one last thing that I really want to look out for this weekend, and that is can the Detroit Lions please look competent? Please? Is that, <laughs> is that too much to ask? <laughs> Oh, they're going to bite your kneecaps over that one. Can they look like a professional NFL team? You know what? I don't care (laughs) who's on the field. I mean, it it just, that game last week, even though obviously I know who was playing and who wasn't playing, it was just kind of an embarrassing showing. And yeah, the Lions scored some garbage time points late, but the Lions got to play better than they played in Pittsburgh last week. All right, let's take a break. When we return, another quarterback competition reportedly has been resolved. We'll tell you who and where when PFT Live continues right after this. Sean Payton has made a decision, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. Jameis Winston, the week one starter for the New Orleans Saints, at quarterback, obviously, against the Green Bay Packers. Peter, surprised or we all knew this was coming? Uh, well, I mean, I had a, I had a, uh, I had a hunch when I sat with Peyton one week ago today, and he told me basically would like to name a starter uh, by uh, by the end of next week, which is today, and that this game was important. You know, the game they played on Monday night against Jacksonville. I mean, you put two and two together, that game is important. And also, we talked a lot about the importance of Taysom Hill in the regular offense on special and on special teams. So it figured that if Jameis looked good, he was going to win the job, and now he has. Here's the key to keeping the job. Will Jameis Winston be able to process and incorporate all the plays that Sean Payton will show up with the morning of the game? That's going to be the key. Thanks for some of your time. Have a great weekend. See you Monday. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.